0: Welcome to the Agronomy and Farm Management Podcast. I'm Amanda. And I'm
1: Elizabeth. Thanks for joining us today.
0: For today's podcast, we're going to do something a little bit different. We have a grant between Champaign and Logan counties to um, promote cover crops across the area. So we've got a couple guests here with us today who are partners on that grant. Linda Vernon and Tim Leiden. If you guys want to introduce yourselves, please. Hi, I'm Linda. And I'm Tim. And they are farmers in the area. And um, Linda had the opportunity with the grant to go um, out to Illinois and meet with some of the other cover crop champions. So if you want to introduce the grant and tell a little bit more about it, Linda, that'd be great. Thank you, Amanda. Um, First of all, I'd like to say, explain a little bit about
2: the grant and um, how, how it came about. The National Wildlife Federation received funds from the Walden Foundation, which is the owner of Walmart in Arkansas. And they sponsored these uh, opportunities for us to apply for grants and only do cover crop That is what they were focusing on and we were selected from um, mid-states, about six states applied for the grants and about 20 of us were selected, only two in Ohio. Our particular organization involves Logan and Champaign County. We formed a coalition and met several times to apply for the grant and um, come up with a program, or several programs, since we've had the coronavirus, we've had to adjust our programs a little bit. Um, But we are going to be uh, opening up our grant and spend time with our folks um, talking about cover crops and encouraging our farmers and our landowners to invest in the idea and um, hopefully
1: we'll have some success. Excellent, and Tim, so you're involved in this grant as well, and you also farm. Would you be willing to share a little bit about your farm?
3: Uh, yeah, I'd like to start out by, I'm a, I'm a rather small farmer. I have about 300 acres of corn, soybeans, and wheat, and too much hay. I told it up the other day, on about 175 acres of hay, and I'm I'm making hay, but (laughs) anyhow, uh, we also, uh, in partnership with my son, we have about 25 beef cows and calves and we feed those cattle out as freezer beef. Uh, One time we ran about 100 ewes and we're down to about 30, which my wife and I still enjoy raising some lambs. So that's kind of a nutshell uh, our farming operation.
0: Great. So how, tell us how you got started using cover crops.
3: Well, I got started and I got to go back a little ways because I got to go back to, to no-till. <clears throat> and I was, I taught agriculture for almost 35 years. And, and one of my uh, young farmers at the time, uh, which was a good friend now deceased, uh, wanted to get started no-tilling. And he had, of course, one of those early AC planters that uh, was pretty crude compared to the equipment today. And we went out behind the barn. That's where you always start behind the barn, where nobody can see. <laughs> and uh, we tried to get the planter in the ground, and uh, we put tractor weights. Uh, I remember sitting on the front of the planter trying to add more weight to get that planter to penetrate into the soil. So, been one of the challenges over the years with no-till is that it's hard when the ground's hard. It's hard to get uh, get that penetration and. Um, So uh, I retired from teaching about seven years ago and started farming a little bit more. And at the time, our soil conservationist invited me to go to Dave Brandt's farm. And I'd heard a little bit about Dave, but I didn't know much and uh, uh, I've become pretty well acquainted with Dave over the years now. But what really got me started was um, uh, he had a speaker there by the name of Ray Archinello. Ray started in with his demonstrations. You can see these on YouTube if you type in Ray Archinella. But anyhow, Ray started in with his demonstration about soil structure. And uh, I came away from that uh, amazed at what he was saying. And I guess what really stuck with me was uh, I'm a graduate of Ohio State. I took a soils class and in soils back then we basically talked about the chemical structure of soils and everything was about chemical and Ray was on and on about biology, biology, biology and uh, uh, it's the the light bulbs kind of came on and I started to see you know that there was some other things here that uh, played a big part and so I kind of started, came back from that um, with the idea I wanted to start planting cover crops and I guess the, the point that, that Brant brought across is don't don't make it complicated, do it simple. So we started out with rye uh, and I had a no-till drill. And so after the, after the beans came off, we started planting rye and that's where, uh, that's where I got started with cover crops. So that's, um, that's kind of the story of how we've kind of emerged into this cover crop thing.
1: Yeah, that's interesting that you say that it you started out in no-till and that was what really drove you to cover crops we've been pulling some soil samples here recently to look at soil health and just pulling samples between fields that are no-till and fields that are no-till with cover crops i didn't actually believe at first that it was going to make that big of a difference but it makes a huge difference so we're really excited to see the results of those but cover crops aren't necessarily easy to incorporate into your farm what are some of the barriers that you see farmers facing when they think about using cover crops
3: well one of the first things that i've seen the last three years is we've been in, in our area and i i think it's pretty well over the state we're seeing an awful lot of rain especially in the springtime and trying to get in there and uh, get something done and uh, i thought at first well maybe the cover crops will help dry the soil out a little bit better but uh, they, they might help a little bit but that's been one of the big challenges was uh, rain that we've had and then the other thing is I've talked to several larger farmers, you know, I'm just a little little guy compared to some of them, but I've talked to some of them and they're they're pushed because of prices, uh, grain prices are, are bad. Uh, they're trying to maximize yields and they look at cover crops as, uh, as, uh, as their yields are gonna start to drop. What I've tried to tell them is, uh, try a little bit, try a little bit. And so uh, we've, we're, we're getting more people to try a little bit of cover crops, but. Th- the challenge for most folks is, um, is how do I fit this kind of system uh, into my farming operation? I've got um, my hands are full already. How do I put cover crops in here? How do I get these things all incorporated in? So I guess uh, you know I, I look at it. Uh, you got to start small. You got to try try a little bit. Try something. Keep it simple. Uh, that's the thing that I kind of look at when I try to get somebody started. You know, I started with rye and I'm getting into more and more multi species, and, and uh, <clears throat> I'm going to kind of move out of it here over the next couple of years. And I've got a, another fellow that's kind of taken over, and, and he's, he's more gun-ho than I am about cover crops. And, you know, we're talking about all kinds of things that we want to try, but the, the challenge is with the economy the way it is today, and, and everybody's pushed to the limit, they're, they're wanting to get out there and make sure that they've got perfect stands and you know, get to maximize your yields. But what I'm seeing, I've seen comparisons this year going down the road, here's the, here's cover crops over here and here's no cover crops. And yes, there's a wet hole here in this cover crop and there's not much growing there and you go across where they till the ground and, and beat it to death. And yes, so there's big holes out here too. So, um, you know, it's not the all answer, but they look at and what what farmers are doing with cover crops? Saying, oh yeah, but look you look at theirs. They've got the same kind of issues when it comes to water, and that's been the biggie this year. Is in the last couple of years, it's been water, how much water, and and uh, and I guess I want to go on here a little bit later and explain what I think uh, after listening to uh, to Brant and some of them is um, David's theory is you don't have to have the maximum yield. You got to have you got to have make a profit. You got to make a profit, and you don't have to have you know, uh, 250 bushel corn, if you can lower some of your inputs. And that's what Dave's whole idea is that by going cover crops and getting this biology working, we can can actually reduce some of our input costs. So that's where I'm at right now is, is looking at challenges.
0: So I think some of the solutions I heard you mention, and maybe not necessarily solutions, but a way to get more people involved is just encouraging folks to start small, right?
3: Just try a field or half a field or behind the barn. Yes, see? behind the barn is a great place to start, you know, <laughs> or back in the wood, back in the woods, you know, where you can't see it, but you've got, you know, and um, you know, a lot of people consider Dave Brand as the guru, but Dave will tell you, he's had failures too, but the failures have become less and less as you keep trying and experimenting with things, so um, <clears throat> that's where we're at.
0: Yeah so you don't have to spend a lot of time doing it just to plant a small area and you know see what the benefits are over a few years and that'll help you determine you know if the economics are there and if it'll work for you. So um, talking about barriers and challenges what's been the biggest challenge for you specifically?
3: We're so diversified it seems like everything's always hitting at the same time when we're trying to plant and we're trying to make hay and we're trying to get spraying done and and uh, as I went to some of these winter meetings and talked to some of these people and listened to some speakers, and uh, we've got a couple here in Champaign County that I've, I've uh, relied on real heavily that keep saying plant green. So that's been a challenge: is to uh, to go into something that's green and plant into it, and then terminate it. And uh, so. We're doing more and more of that, but I think, you know, I'm you know i from the old school that you needed to start planting the first of May, and I still have that problem and uh, that I need to be planting by the first of May. But last year, we planted corn in June, and uh, I had uh, 175 bushel dry corn in a field there at my house. And, um, you know, I, I'm thinking, you know, this was planted in June, so I think trying to hold back and wait until conditions are right. Uh, and, I, I, you know, I go out and I've got some people that call on me to give them some advice on farming, and I say, you know, if you can make a mud ball out of it, you need to stay out of there. And uh, that's, um, that's what's hard to do, but I'm looking at, I'm gonna go to shorter and shorter varieties of corn so that I can wait until conditions are right, and I think maximize. But uh, if it's wet, Uh, You're going to have compaction, and this is one of the big problems in any uh, farming operation is compaction, so trying to stay out of the field. The other temptation I have is I've got two discs sitting at home. One of them broke last year, and I won't fix it. And the other (laughs) one, uh, I let the neighbor use it, but I haven't touched it this year. And I got complaints when the guys were planting about some of the gullies and some of the horses we're going through. And I said, don't have time. We're going to go ahead and plant, but we'll come back. And we've got to start healing some of those places. That's, uh, that's been part of the story. And I guess I'm kind of looking at this green thing as is, is is kind of a way to go. But um, we've, um, we've seen several people doing that in the neighborhood. A couple former students of mine, I went over and interviewed them this spring to be on a panel. And, oh, my gosh, I walked away so excited. They're planting green. They've, um, they've gotten a roller, and they're rolling rolling the rye and uh, you know and uh, they've gotten brave enough they're out there on the, on the main roads doing it and boy they got lots of people scratching their head at, at what they're doing and and uh, they're so excited you know they've they've gotten two or three more people uh, looking to plant green and, and uh, they uh, they're never going to turn back that's the way they're going and they're farming they're farming three or four thousand acres and um, you know more and more are planting grain and uh, they have uh, dedicated a grain drill. I think 40-foot grain drill that does nothing but it's right behind the combine planting cover crops. Yeah. As soon as that combine goes through, that drill is right in there planting. So that's part of the key too is is struggling trying to get cover crops in as quick as you can uh, behind that drill. Or uh, we're, we're investigating interseeding. We're going to probably go that route. I uh, bought a high boy sprayer that I we want to convert it so we can we can actually. Uh, go into corn staining beans and, and try to put some put some covers in earlier earlier is better because you get more growth so that's that's some of the challenges so
1: yeah this is so exciting because there's so much to learn it's it's almost like we're, we're working through understanding a new way to farm and yeah. so i don't know amanda and i we haven't had many opportunities for something that's exciting in our lifetime so right. it's i get excited about all the opportunities
3: well i want to mention that Three of us, uh, Tim McDaniels and, and this um, other fellow that's farming with me a little bit, we made a trip, it was a two-hour trip, grew up in Paulding County here just before the coronavirus hit, and it was it was extension-sponsored, but it was part of the Lake Erie watershed, and there was probably 20 or 25 farmers there, and we went to learn, and they brought this fellow in from Indiana that was just so, had records, and such a presenter's slides, and about 5,000 acres and going all organic with cover crops and I'm thinking oh my gosh I kind of think I could live without chemicals to spray you know and, and here he's going and you know he's just going on and on and we had to go up and talk to him after the presentation and thinking you know my gosh 5,000 acres and it's going all organic and it's all cover crops and you think you know uh, it takes tremendous amount of management and, and skills and you know, it's it's just it. I, I'm just like I'm just so excited about it. I, I, I think uh, so much opportunity and and um, you know this spring, uh, I had the opportunity that I didn't have to sit on the planter. So I'm walking behind the planter, watching this outfit going across, and we're looking at the structure and we're looking at the earthworms. Oh my gosh, I've never seen so many earthworms <laughs> in these covers. You know, just. You know, you'd, you'd dig a, a spade for and you'd have 12, 15 earthworms coming out of the ground and all those pores and everything. And that goes back to, to Ray and his demonstration of poros, porosity and, and water filtration. And oh, it just, yeah, it's, it's so exciting. So
1: Now I want to get fishing, talking about all these worms. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it's really important that you were willing to share the challenges that you're facing because I think that's, a lot of times, we learn the most from things that don't work but what are some of the benefits you've been seeing on your farm?
3: I'm seeing more uh, a structure in my soil. I think the, that the water movement is, is better. And last year when I took a couple wet holes that I couldn't farm that I went in and worked uh, worked them up a little bit with a, with a drill and planted some radishes in them. And um, I forgot about it until we went to plant this year. And we planted in it. It was probably about half an acre wet hole. I oh my gosh, you know, it probably won't grow anything. And the best corn in the whole field, where those radishes were at. You know, that it opened those wet holes up and it allowed that ground to breathe and to let water move through it. And so uh, uh, some of them said, well, you need to take some pictures of that. Well, I've been snapping pictures right and left, but uh, yeah, that, that was an example. And, and then at home, you know, the best I'd ever done was 150 bushel of corn and, and uh, on my old poor knobs. And uh, you know, this is an old hill piece of, Miami soil with a couple wet holes in it, and I get a get 175 bushel corn, and there wasn't anybody in the neighborhood with their big fancy planters, you know, that weren't doing any better than that on on, on, on the more heavy clay ground. So my excitement is that I think, back to when I taught in Champaign and in Logan County, and, and I would go home every night, because everybody around West Liberty was planting and putting anhydrous on, and i go home, and I, I think, oh man, I gotta get to farming. My ground was too wet, I needed to wait, and I got heavy clay soils, and I think that's the greatest benefit is putting those covers in and getting that humus, getting that humus in there and building organic matter. I think I'm building organic matter, and if I can build in my lifetime a 1% increase in organic matter, I think I've succeeded, but uh, you know, the, the sky's the limit when it comes to putting covers in and trying to build well, and that's, that's one of the keys is getting, getting that organic matter content back up because we have been losing and losing and losing over the years. Organic matter. So
2: this is the kind of excitement that we're hoping that we can generate with our, our grant presentations.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah We've got uh, we're going to have a meeting uh, uh, here in the latter part of July up and uh, up at Zanesfield. Uh, Twenty eight. Uh, at Zanesfield at the park up there in the shelter house, and uh, uh, everybody said, well, "You got you got the speakers." I said, "I've got enough speakers that are local people." That should generate a lot of excitement just from what they're doing, and, and you know I've uh, I've interviewed all of them, and I think uh, you know we'll have a panel discussion, and we want to open it up, and and we we've got enough money in a grant that we can do some things to help some people get started, and that's what we want to do is to get them started, and just you know if it's only ten acres, try something, try something. We've got we've got the airplane lined up that we can fly some stuff on. We've got a drill that can be. Hire to uh, to plan them. We hope to to have some opportunity, and, and that's what we're going to do in Logan County. But uh, Champaign County is doing the same thing with, with a couple places where uh, where they're going to have some farmer meetings and and uh, do Tom Smith. I've been to Tom's like like the last three years, and Tom's doing uh, doing more and more, and and seeing seeing great benefits. Um, my hope is, my challenge, I guess, my real problem is 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 corn beans. I can seem like I can plant. Uh, beans in the covers but we're going to try some special mixes that will pretty well die over the winter and so we can plant corn right into them but planting green in the corn is is a real real real
0: challenge yeah i think it's great that you guys you know are part of this grant and excited about sharing this um you know linda you've been a huge help to us Um, what I guess both of you you know why are you so passionate about sharing this with other people not just on your own farms? for me it's more of
2: just making people aware that a soil is um, is alive Mm -hmm. and we need to nourish it and um, everybody has dirt But few of us have soil, and if we don't take care of it now, we're going to ruin it for generations to come. And that is my fear, that um, if we um, put these barriers up and we don't want to take the time or spend the money or the work that needs to be done to protect our soils, um, we're going to flow that to the next generation, and what are they going to do? Probably the same thing. I want to set an example to my children and my grandchildren that um, when you farm, this this is what you do. This is normal, and cover crops should be a normal piece of your farming operation.
3: I've been um, a real advocate of of soil conservation. I'm on the on the board in Logan County, and and uh, you know I've seen a lot of things that went on. I see a lot more. Erosion. We're a little more hillier, a little more um, a little more topography in Logan County, and I'm and seeing more and more washes, and I'm seeing more and more problems, and and um, I've heard complaints about, well, that no-till. We need to go back to plowing because all the corn stalks are getting in the road ditches, and blah blah blah. But if you've got covers, they're going to help hold everything. They're going to help hold the corn stalks. They're going to help hold the soil, and and uh, I I just you know, I've I've learned so much going to these meetings and, and listening to people and and um, I, I'm just overwhelmed at the potential we have uh, to build our soils and we haven't been building we've been tearing them down for the last since the moldboard plow came along. You know that, that was uh, when I taught school early on in my history. I you know the moldboard plow was the greatest thing that ever came along. Well. Uh, it was to get the prairies turned over, but we've lost inches and inches of that good topsoil that was in those prairies. And uh, uh, you know, most people went away from the moldboard plow. But every once in a while, I hear somebody say, "Well, we need to turn that soil over. We don't need to turn that soil over. We need to build on top of what we got." So I, uh, I'm, I'm just, uh, I've been an educator, and and uh, I probably started out uh, not as passionate about soil. As, as I've grown over the years and, and actually by farming and seeing some of the things and being part of the soil and water and seeing what we've done there, I, I just, I think there's a lot of education that needs to take place and, and, and a lot of opportunity for people to build soil and uh, I just want to see that more and more of that building the soil back to what it was a hundred years ago. So.
2: Can I share a personal story? about um, when you talked about the corn stalks and the erosion. Um, <clears throat> my front pasture sits um, about a mile from a cornfield that doesn't use cover crops, sits right on the road, and there has been erosion there for years. It got worse, of course, with the last year, that horrible rain and flooding that we had, and uh, flowed down across my pasture and took out a corner post and a whole section of my front fence wow. just with corn stalks oh, yeah. and gouged a deep trench through my through my front pasture. Um, my My objective in telling that story is that one of these days I'm going to be brave enough to go talk to that landowner <laughs> and educate him about cover crops. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Inviting to one of our meetings. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and speaking of those meetings, a big part of this grant is the outreach that you guys are going to do. So could you share some of the opportunities if our listeners are excited? I mean, this is as excited as I think I've ever been about cover crops after talking to you guys. (laughs) So I'm sure they're excited to come out and meet you guys and learn more. So where could they have the opportunity to do that?
2: Well, we are excited just to get started with corona. We we had planned uh, ahead of time.
3: We were all going these, to have two meetings in Logan County. We all had plans. events
2: in March, and we had to cancel and postpone and cancel and postpone. And finally, uh, July, we're going to have our first uh, meeting with Tim. And um, we're excited about having some people to talk to about it.
3: And, um, well, you know, we, excuse me, Lynn, but correct. we we really wanted to bring in outside speakers. And after being around the county and talking, I, I'm just a hands on person. I, I can't. I can't talk to people on the phone. I got to go meet with them face to face, and and so you know, before we had our first two meetings, I really had beat the bushes and had, you know, everybody said, well, let's get four or five people. Well, I probably had two dozen people coming, and and now I probably will have that many, if not more. But uh, we just uh, uh, want to get get as many people in as we can, and and work with this. Uh, and see if we can't get something started
0: yes yeah, so we'll have a few around champaign county as well trying to hit all the areas um, all the regions within the two counties so you know if you're interested feel free to reach out um, to us and see where a meeting is close to you
3: and one of our final objectives uh, jack summers has got some some uh, wheat up around Mingo, and I've got some wheat over around Ben Logan School, and we want to try to put some things in as soon as the wheat comes off, and we'd like to by sometime in September, probably about the time of Farm Science Review, maybe try to schedule some kind of like a drive it yourself tour, with a couple speakers or at least one the the operator at at each place, and, and maybe have a map out that we can. Uh, that you can go like on a Saturday or Sunday and go around and see what some of these things are that, uh, that can be planted. So my, my hope is to have at least three to four different things planted and, and maybe we'll have someone else uh, that we can chime in. But right now I think we've got for sure, I've got some and Jack's got some and maybe we'll even have a third uh, person before we get done. That people kind of go around and see some of these things because there's there's some things that I want to play with that I you know I'm I'm, I've grown enough in this that I want to move away from rye and and look at some other things that have some benefits and uh, I'll tell you this story real quick after I went and listened to uh, Ray that first time I came back to the uh, I came back all excited and tell this young gal about my experience and she said oh I've heard him before that's all voodoo and I just. Mm. I just kind of sunk, and I thought, "Oh my gosh!" And I uh, uh, learned from that that always everybody's n- not on that same page. But Bob Store, uh, at the time was our soil conservationist years ago, took me over into Knox County, which has been probably the, the premier place of no-till in in, local, in in Ohio. And we went to this farm. This guy was uh, doing no-till, and and you know we went. He didn't have cover crops at that time. I'm sure now he's still farming. He's got cover crops, but. He was no tilling and uh, he was using um, a variety of things, uh, wheat in his rotation and corn, and I think maybe even some hay. And We went in this cornfield and all you could see was earthworm holes everywhere, earthworm holes. And the corn looked healthy, it was good. It was in mid-August, it was tasseling. And then he said, um, just look across the road. And the guy had been conventionally tilling, and this is rolling ground, conventionally tilling. You could see where it washed off and it was like concrete. You know, he'd went in there with anhydrous and he'd he'd knifed anhydrous in and he'd done everything right. Corn was about oh probably about oh three foot tall and his this guy's no till corn and you know he had the soil health. The soil health again was there, you know, his corn was tasseling had nice big ears on it and you're thinking, Now which do I want here, you know? Well I want I want something that's got the soil health so um, you know got no till, uh, cover crops, uh, rotations Uh, all lead to you know to that soil health and that's what I think our whole whole objective is 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 to increase soil health and to do soil health we have to have organic matter.
0: Well thank you both for your time and your effort we want to thank the National Wildlife Federation again for the grant and um, because it's a grant they do have a survey so I'll put a link in the show notes if you'd be so kind as to fill out that survey for us and then some contact information if you're interested in when we're going to have these meetings thank you guys
3: thank you thank you
1: thanks for listening to the agronomy and farm management podcast join us again in two weeks for our next episode